Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Victims and Villains show. This is the show where we talk nerd, we talk hope, and we speak nothing else. I'm your host, Captain Nostalgia, and thank you guys for hitting play on this. And if you guys are watching this on our YouTube channel, awesome. Hit the subscribe button below. And if you guys are listening to this, hit the subscribe button below. And if you guys are listening, go watch the video and vice versa. I am super happy to have our guest of the this show on that he just disappeared. But please help me in welcoming... Special effects extraordinaire, Mr. Joe Castro. How's it going, everybody? Good evening and uh, happy October. Happy Halloween. Halloween's coming up. How you doing, Josh? I am super well, man. I have We've only ever had the pleasure of, for as much horror content as we do, there's a lot of practical effects that take place in the horror genre, and we've only ever had one special effects studio on. That was our boys over at Amos Studios. A uh, fantastic group of guys from uh, right here in locally to us, but you're on the West Coast, so we're getting some West Coast love, man. Uh, tell us a little bit about how you, how you got started, though. Okay. Uh, that's a great uh, place to start. Basically, I got started doing special effects when I was seven years old. My dad, who was my biggest supporter, sat me down in front of the TV and he said, Joe, watch this. He, he, my name was Joey at the time. He called me Joey. He said, Joey, watch this. You're going to love this. And it was Godzilla versus the Smog Monster. And I was seven years old. And I saw, you know, two monsters battling it out, destroying cities. Uh, it's actually considered like the darkest Godzilla movie ever made uh, because Godzilla almost dies in the film. And uh, the monster is a very evil monster, and it takes these different forms, and there's all kinds of special effects in the film. And when it was done, I like, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to make monsters. I wanted to, I wanted to make movies. You know, that was seven, 1977. It was oh, a Saturday a- afternoon. I remember it very well. 
that's so awesome, man. And like to know that you got it from Godzilla of all things is like normally like you hear things about like in the seventies, like was kind of like the big rise of like the slasher film. So you have like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Halloween, uh, prom night, sleepaway camp. You have all of these, these like beloved cult following and like now major influential, uh, genre pieces. So you got your start after admiring something like Godzilla. That's amazing. And, and you know, and most people don't know this, but, God, uh, the Godzilla franchise. I, 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 don't quote me. I think it's had thirty-nine sequels worldwide. So it, it is now. You know, Star Wars is got is got. You know, Star Wars very big, big film. But the Godzilla franchise is actually the most successful movie franchise. I think it's in the Guinness Book of World Record for being the most successful movie franchise. I mean, think about all the different countries has been translated in thirty-nine different sequels. You know what I mean? It's it's uh it's uh, it has a ma- has had a major influence on this world you know you're not lying man so like with with this kind of love like where did it start kind of this infatuation before the movies like uh when we had the the guys from amos studios on they were talking about like how they were like fake being sick from school so like where did, <laughs> where, did where did that kind of start for you as okay, far as like well, special effects you know that's a good question because See, I, I, I always had an interest in, um, you know, like art and crafts and stuff like that. And, but it wasn't until 1982 when the um, uh, home video camera was introduced to the retail market. And uh, now, you know, like the average before that, uh, if you wanted to make, uh, make a movie, you had to actually shoot a movie on film and it had to be shot on Super 8 or Super 16. And um, so when the when the video camera came out on the on the on the retail market, my parents, a humble goat farmer was my father and a high school uh government economics teacher was my mother uh bought me a, a video camera and it was twenty two hundred dollars for for a video camera uh at the time and, and that was 1982 i was 12 years old and uh that was a lot of money in 1982 and i remember very clearly getting it for christmas it was after christmas i knew it was coming i i i you know i was one of those one of those children that was like Please, 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 no, please, 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 please. You know, so I knew it was coming. Uh, and uh, when I got it, my mother was like, uh, here's your educa- here's your college education. <laughs> and um, yeah, yeah. But, but, but more importantly, getting the video camera and the same year I met uh, this uh, man. His name was uh, Eddie Perez. And he had a twin brother, Ernest Perez, Eddie and Ernest Perez. They were both 33 when I was 12 years old. And um, Eddie and Ernest were distant cousins, and I met them at a family reunion the same year. And they both were horror fanatics. So they were about 33 years old. I was 12. And I don't know how the conversation started at a family reunion, but I, I talked with um, Eddie for, I don't know, I rem- it, it seemed like I, we sat there for like six hours at the kitty table talking Dang. about movies and horror movies and monsters and dragons and blood and why, you know, why we like that, you know, and I grew up on a goat ranch where they had a slaughterhouse. So I saw like, I saw all kinds of crazy stuff that like no child should ever see. And I'm sure a lot of children around the world do see that we don't see here in the States. But, you know, um, anyways, my point is that I, I grew up in a, in a very Texas chainsaw massacre like environment in South Texas. So all that kind of meshed together. It was like a natural course of events that I would become an artist kind of be more on the gory kind of gore dark side my my, my um 
I, my, my father had four uh, uh, brothers, younger brothers, and they were all artists themselves. And a couple of them were taxidermists. So they would have like, you know, the carcass, the skin of like an animal soaking in formaldehyde, like in a giant bin. And you could go over and they'd stick a stick in it and pull it up and there'd be like an animal skull head attached to like its hide that they had in formaldehyde. They were getting ready to dry out and stick on a, you know, like on a, a, a form, you know, one of those um, uh, uh, compressed foam forms that they, you can buy. That they put taxidermy pig heads on and deer heads and glass eyeballs and skulls and teeth. My, my uncles used to like take like the animal antler and they would carve into the antler and make it into a knife or an arrowhead. So all that came from, from my father's side. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of being exposed to that stuff and like having a family that really loved the genre of horror, like what was kind of the, cause your, your career expands everything from uh, makeup department, special effects, director, visual effects, producer, writer, actor, editor, like, like there's, there's so many different layers to your career. So what was kind of like your, your big foothold into kind of the, the industry? Well, two things. One, uh, I won a national special effects makeup contest when I was 15 years old. And it was actually uh, put on by the same magazine, the same man that introduced, you know, horror and science fiction to the world of, uh, of indie, uh, in the independent filmmaker with a magazine uh, called Famous Monsters of Filmland. And if you're not familiar with that magazine, great magazine. You should Google it. Now, 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 Forrest G. Ackerman was the editor-in-chief, and he's the one that started the magazine back in, I don't know, I wanted, I'm, I'm just guessing. I'm going to say 50s, 60s, something like that. Uh, anyways, uh, he's, he, he had the magazine for many, many, many years. He sold the magazine, and he started another one called Monsterland Magazine. And there was a, a contest that he had in that magazine. It was uh, make a special effect and win a trip, win a trip to, to uh, uh, Hollywood, California to meet uh, famous filmmakers and special effects artists and so you know naturally i i entered the contest and um you know you had to be under the age of 18 in order to enter the contest which was was cool so um there were not many people under the age of 18 that had the ability to create special effects at the time which was 1985 i want to say i was 15 and um so john joe dante and john collar beekler were the judges joe dante of course the directed gremlins the howling uh explorers uh yeah anyways he was one and then the other director was um john carl beekler who directed troll and uh he did the special effects for ghoulies and uh, uh friday 13th part 7 which is like one of my favorite friday 13th and um and they chose my my entry as the winner so i was flown out to hollywood california where i got to meet forrest yackerman the, uh, the editor-in-chief, you know, Forrest Ackerman, not only did he make the first uh, sci-fi magazine, but he also coined and he owns the phrase sci-fi. So huh. whenever you see the word sci-fi, that's like a coined phrase that not just anybody can use. That's why the sci-fi network spells it differently. And um, uh, so I met him and then I met everybody that he, I met all of his friends and he introduced me to everybody. And I met Brink Stevens, uh, who is a famous scream queen, who's now one of my best friends. He's been one of my best friends for many, many, many years. I met her when I was 15 years old. I use her in every movie that I work on. Uh, she's an amazing talent. She lives like literally a mile and a half from me. She's nice. one, of, one of my best friends. And um, just all kinds of people. Doug Beswick, who worked with Rick Baker on Octoman. I got to meet John Carl Beekler, Ken Hall, uh, and a whole bunch of guys who were working over at MMI, which, is, which was John Carl Beekler's special effects shop at the time. Um, and, um, yeah, so that, that was my introduction into Hollywood. 
And then naturally, when I got out of high school, I ran right over here and uh, started trying to get my foot in the business and make movies. So let's talk about this this big prize award winning thing, because that that is quite an accomplishment at such a young age. Like, what was it that what did you do? I guess like well, special what effects. Was the special effects. Yes. The special effects was, uh, you know, it was kind of an homage to um, the stuff. Have you ever seen the stuff? The movie The Stuff was a Larry Cohan film. It's about some like it's about like a, a killer dessert. It's like a, like a like a dessert, you know, and and, and so it's being mass produced and sold in all these supermarkets, and it turns everybody into these things called stuffies. They're kind of like zombies, and they 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 force each other to eat it. You know, it's like some sort of weird, like uh, zombie cult. You know, take world world domination takeover. Anyways, there's a scene where uh, one of the characters, his name is I think his name is Chocolate Chip Charlie, and his mouth opens up really wide because. All the stuff is coming up out of his body, so I kind of did an homage to that that uh, that character, and I had um, I think I had hands coming out of his mouth too, uh, but uh, yeah, it was kind of wild. If you go to my Facebook page, there's a picture of it there, and uh, it was prominently featured in the magazine, and uh, you know, it was uh, uh, it, it's, it's definitely it, let's put it this way: I'm the entry that I made, I still show like in my portfolio to people because I was so proud of it. And it's, you know, like I said, you said for, for a 15 year old, it was a, it was a pretty big accomplishment. So, um, I, uh, uh, but you know, I, I had a lot of support from my family and friends and that's why I was able to do amazing work at such a young age. You know, I had my, 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 my uncles who were very talented. I had my cousins that introduced me to the world of horror. I had my father and my mother who were there to support me along the way. And, uh, um, you know, uh, just, uh, it, it does, it does take a village to, to have to, you know, support somebody to push them in their career and to get them as far as I, I've come. So I will not say I did any of this alone. Wow. That's amazing. Uh, listeners, I will try and track down a, a copy of that picture and put it uh, on our I'll, Instagram. I'll definitely, get you, I'll definitely get you a picture. Yes. In fact, if you want to use that with the, like, the, the, uh, the, 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 little, the little promo or whatever, it's, it's, it's a fun picture. Because I put the makeup effect on my best friend, who's still my best friend today. His name is Kevin Williams, and he's still my best friend. That's awesome. So I put the makeup effect on him, so it's it's on him. He's, he's still my best friend. He 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 was also uh, an art special effects artist. We used to make home movies together. We made home movies together for probably four years, from from middle school all the way up into high school. Uh, he went to a a different a different high school right in the middle of high school. So and he went off. He. he 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 went off on his own career. I can't say what he what he does. He works for the government, but he works on his own career. But I keep telling him, "Come on, Kevin, come back over here and let's make a movie in Hollywood." So he told me, he promised me that when he his uh um his 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 last kid goes goes to college, he's gonna come out to LA and make a movie with me. So hold him to that, man, because that yeah, yeah, uh, that sounds pretty awesome. Pretty yeah. Uh, so I, I guess with, you know, being like 15, like you have to have a lot of patience to, to do something of that detail, of that caliber, especially on an individual. Um, cause I, I, I'm fascinated by the special effects and like the practical effects industry and just the talent it takes to, to do that. And I've seen like videos, obviously of these like more mainstream films, like, you know, the Grinch or uh, more recently like suicide squad or, or bright where you're, you have the actor sitting in the chair going through the makeup process and so like how long does a process like that take for you back then and with doing it so long have you found a way of like making it go by faster or is it just as long you know i think it's a good question you know what the, the the real the real trick now is back then 
and, 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 and even today, most of the time we spend doing it is in our mind. Literally. It's in our mind creating it. How are we going to execute it? How are we going to accomplish it? Because once you get down to the actual the actual uh, manual labor of, of doing it, of sculpting and painting and applying, it doesn't take more than like 18 hours. Uh, that's the still a lot process. of times. You know, uh, but, but you know what I'm saying? Like, like yeah. that's why like, so many, I, you know, a, a friend of mine is working on this uh, uh, primetime television show right now. And I, he's making like a month. Well, he, he's making a, he's not really he's he's a friend he's a peer he, he makes like a monster every week you know and and I, and I see like the quality of the work sometimes varies because i know there he there you know he's got he's under the gun he's under the gun he has to deliver he has to deliver and all that stuff does take a toll you know when you're a kid i i, I don't remember ever i remember that my mind i was always working faster than my hands could go so i don't re- like i think i think nowadays it takes it's an equal amount of time, you know, because I'm always trying to make it the best it can be. You know, there are no more small projects. Everything I do has to be of excellence. Like when a director comes to me, even if he's got a low budget, you know, I, I, I tell him I would love to be able to do this. But ultimately, my name's going to be on the work. It still has to look amazing, regardless of what your budget is. Do we have the time to do it and make it look amazing? Are you going to take the time to work with me on set to make it look amazing? Even if I'm doing this film and I'm, I'm giving you a break because of the because because of, of the budget of your film, in return, it has to look amazing. Are you going to do that for for us and and make sure that we photograph it correctly? And um, you know, I can't tell you how many times some of my literally some of my best work will never be seen because it just wasn't photographed correctly and never was cut into the film. Oh, I want to I want to get into this in just a few minutes, but we're going to take a quick commercial break. So if you guys are listening to this right now or watching this on our YouTube channel and you or someone you know is struggling with suicide, addiction, self-harm or depression, please reach out. Suicide is currently the 10th leading cause of death in the United States. There are 129 suicides that take place right here on our own soil each and every day. And when you scale back internationally, there are 800,000 successful suicides. That is one death roughly every four. 40 seconds. So please, if you or someone you know is struggling, you guys can reach out to us on any of our social media. Call the Suicide Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. You can text HELP to 741-741 or go to victimsandvillains.net forward slash hope. And whether you guys are listening to this on our audio podcast or watching this on our YouTube channel, all of those resources are going to be in the descriptions for both. So please reach out. Your life has so much purpose and value. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Welcome back to Victims and Villains. I'm still sitting down with Mastermind Special Effects Extraordinaire, Mr. Joe Castro. And you talked about this before the, the break, kind of how everything starts in your head. And so what is the process for, for that in your head with it? Do you do you write that down? Do you draw it down? Do you go to someone who draws it down? Or like, do you just start creating it? Mm, that's a good question. Well, when a director approaches me with an idea or when, when I have to create something, I immediately think in my head, has this been done before? And if it hasn't, what in nature is it similar to? So that way I can immediately go to mother nature and find out something real that exists in the world and start my design from there. I always start from something that's real. I never come from like something crazy way out there, you know, that no one really can relate to. I always bring it back to nature. You know, Mother Nature is the most powerful artist on this planet. And uh, it's always good to start with something that's, that's, that's real based on reality. All right. So, so say they want a giant out of this world reptilian Mars queen. Where do you exactly. start with that? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I would, I would definitely start with the female form, and then I would, I would, I, w- I would, I would also, you know, look in nature with like what lizards would be like, and and I would do a little research with uh, like probably the Science Channel to find out, like obviously their skin would be covered in uh, rust because Mars is literally a planet covered in rust dust. That, that's what makes the planet red. It's completely covered in o- oxidized metal rust or whatever it is. And um, so, you know, how does rust affect the skin of a lizard and what would it look like? A female lizard. There you go. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. So what's what's kind of like the I guess, like the, the turnaround time from like, say, like a director comes to you and says, hey, uh, this is what I have in mind. I'm thinking about a dog like Godzilla creature like like how long does it take you to say all right well um like do you go through drafts do you do you just kind of like ponder and and wait or do you just kind of go for it you know sometimes you know the funding for a film happens and the director you know is working with me closely beforehand in pre-production uh before the funding comes through and you know if i really believe in the project i will come up with a pre-production design and give to them in order to secure the financing you know, they can show the, the, the pre-production design to the investors and say, hey, this is what we're going to we're going to give you for your money. And then other times. The funding is already in place. It's just it's just in place. And uh, this is like the, the, the best case scenario. Uh, I'm working with a gentleman named Justin Seaman, who is the director and producer of a movie called The Barn, which was a very successful independent horror film. Uh, I think it was released in 2015, 2016. Anyways, right now he's shooting the sequel to it, The Barn 2. And a big, epic sequel, uh, fully funded. I think it was fully funded, crowdfunded, like within the first five days. And um, he brought me in to uh, recreate all the villains from the film. And uh, I've been working closely with the director for the past six months on the designs. And I just finished the third character. There are three different characters. And um, so we had plenty of time for prototyping and developing and looking at what we liked about it, what we didn't like about it, you know, referencing the first film, trying to 
find some new ideas, new to order to bring the characters, uh, have you know much more ups, upscaled look to it as far as like uh, you know, the characterization of how much more evil can we make these things. And then, you know, there, there's there's some well, one of my good friends, his name is Thomas Churchill. He's a very, very talented director. Um, he, you know, he, he'll, he'll get the money and he'll be like, OK, I, I like literally he'll be like, Joe, how long do you need to do this? And I'm like, you know, I need 30 days to build your giant creature. Like I'm the first person paid. I need the money up front. I need to get paid so that way I can begin producing the piece. And then every, we all start working towards the finished state of the creature. You know, okay. so it just depends, you know, uh, but 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 the more lead way, the more time I get, the better, obviously. Sometimes I don't, you know, sometimes I don't. Um, I had to make a, a woman uh, like a pregnant stomach of a woman who get, gave birth in a, in, a, in a like a swimming pool kind of thing situation. And I only got a day and a half to build that. Dang. So and, uh, you know, it was like, text me a picture of this color of her, of her, of her skin. Her stomach, take a picture with the flash, without the flash, send it to me. We're not going to have time for fitting. How big is she? What's her waist like? Okay, I'm driving the set with it. You know, I only have one day to make it, let it dry for 24 hours so I can walk at the set and put it in the water. And uh, we just, uh, we, you know, it's a kind of like a, uh, you, I just don't say no. I just don't, if the, if the money's there and the artistic uh, value's there and, and they want me, I don't say no. I just jump on it and I do it. Walk through that fear of whether or not it's going to be great or not. Yeah, my wife always tells me that's like my biggest downfall is that I never say no. So I get yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> when you love what you do, you know, you just you always say yes. I mean, there are limits. There are limits, yeah. of course. Of course. And, you know, there are limits. But yeah, a challenge is always good. So my I because I'm just starting to, like, get to know filmmakers. Um, obviously, being a movie buff and a cinephile for the past 20 years, I like I've been acquainted with a lot of like these bigger budget films that we've seen. And but the more that I kind of get into the medium and the more that I understand a lot of the behind the scenes techniques and procedures, the more that I find that the like the lower the budget is something that helps challenge the filmmakers. So as a filmmaker, do you prefer a lower budget or like a, a higher budget? I think they're both, uh, they both have their advantages and disadvantages. When you work on a big budget film, um, you have uh, um, more responsibility, I believe, in order to deliver something that is going to turn a profit. And, uh, you know, there, there, there's just, there's more responsibility there. On a lower budget film, you have more creative freedom uh, because uh, uh, you don't have maybe like a studio behind you or somebody that's that's you know it's more 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 the artistic intent behind it everybody of course would love to make a profit from all their from their films but it's just not the way it goes you know it's just it's every, making a movie is a gamble so um I, I i like working on independent films i like working on independent films that have a decent budget but uh, uh i have worked on studio films and uh they are both uh they're both uh challenging and they both have their their their, their good points and their and their and their weaknesses you know, being a being on a big budget film, you're more of a a, 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 a cog in a wheel. You know, you're you're more of a, t- a team player. And then working on an independent film, you can have your name in lights and be a little bit more 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 recognized as the art artist that's doing the work, as opposed to being just a part of a big giant army. Yeah, and so with your 
when you're fueled, especially too, it's not just budget, but it's also time. So you talk about like having 30 days to work on a big budget, but then you also talk about, you know, having a day and have to do something like, do you enjoy the, the, like the, the more pressured projects or is it kind of a gamble for, like you said, like both? Yeah, it's a gamble for both because even if you're given a, a, a long amount of time to do something, there's still never enough time. You're all, I'm still always, then, then you're trying to reinvent the wheel with longer time, give yourself a bigger challenge, you know. Um, I recently uh, created my first um, pullover platinum Ecoflex silicone prosthetic mask. What is that? <laughs> that is, it's, 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 it's probably, it, I would say it is the, the, the highest technology right now for prosthetic uh, uh, masks. And uh, it's I, the the guy on um, Star Trek, uh, the new Star Trek series, the alien guy. He he wears one, and it basically it's a it's a pullover mask that fits so snug and so tight. It's almost like you're wearing a glued-on prosthetic. Interesting. And it moves just like human flesh. So the uh, the actors don't have to have anything glued to their face. They just have a little makeup around the eyes, maybe some prosthetic teeth, and maybe some contacts, and they, it all comes off, and it can be reused the next day too. So it's much more efficient, much more comfortable for the actor, and uh, it looks amazing. And uh, so my point is, is that I had six months to do this, but I had six months to learn how to do it. Uh, you know, because uh, it was my first time doing it. So I, I kind of was teaching myself as I was going along. Um, and, uh, you know, I, 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 it, it, it always gets done. I mean, I've been doing this for 37 years. It always gets done, even though there are fears along the way, whether or not it's going to work somehow. If I look back over my career, I realize, have I never not done it? Has it, ne- has it never not happened? No, it's always happened. It's always, um, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's always come through. I mean, I've always, whether or not it was good or bad, but I've always been able to produce whatever it was that the director needed and, uh, and we move forward. So you talk about like different challenges in your career and early you like you said like you've done special effects for so long but at the turn of the millennium but halfway into it you also started stepping into visual effects as well like what was the, the what was the kind of difference for you from going from practical effects to uh, a new medium like digital effects well i wanted to learn digital effects because i wanted to expand my toolbox of you know creative tools and be able to uh actually wanted to be able to to make a film that had a Guinness Book of World Record. And I knew that I would be able to achieve that using computer-generated effects. So I went to school in uh, 2010 to learn CGI in Burbank, California. And uh, my partner, Steven Escobar, and I set a Guinness Book of World Record for the highest body count in a slasher movie, which is 155 kills for a movie titled The Summer of Massacre. Now, using CGI to do a slasher film was not well-received. Because horror fans like practical blood. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. horror fans <laughs> have to have practical stuff. So it wasn't well-received by fans, by the horror community, but it was well-received in the film festivals and by the, um, all the, uh, 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 what do you call it, the critics. They loved it. And they, um, because it had a new, fresh look. You put 155 kills in a movie. Uh, when you do it with CGI, it makes it a little easier on the eye and easier to stomach as opposed to watching, you know, a whole bunch of gory practical stuff on and on and on and on. And it, 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 was, it had a more fun, light tone to the film. It, it kind of reminds me of, like, if Adult Swim were to make a slasher movie today. 
So it was way ahead of its time. So if you like Adult Swim, you will love this film. I need yeah. to track down a copy now. You, you can see it on Amazon Prime right now. It's called The Summer of Massacre. It has the Guinness Book of World Record for the highest body count in a slasher movie, which is a 155 kills. Wow. So what was, do you know who the previous record holder was before you guys? I believe it was a, don't quote me, but I believe it was a Friday the 13th. And I believe it was, I want to say 53 kills or 50 kills or one of them had a whole bunch of kills in it. But uh, that was, yeah, that was, yeah. Sounds about right. So what made you guys kind of want to set out to, to go, okay, all right. Current record is less than 60. Let's not double it. Let's triple this record. Was it now, I guess, like, how did you guys get involved with, with that script and with those filmmakers? I, well, I, I, I wrote, I wrote the script myself. Fair enough. My partner, my partner, uh, Steven Escobar, who I've made 12 feature films with now, he has an Emmy for outstanding editing in reality television programming. And he was working at Big Brother. He was doing the, uh, the graveyard shift at CBS. And so I would write at, in the middle of the night, I would write the horror screenplays. This was uh, 2009. And I was writing the screenplay and um, coming up with all the all the kills. And I kind of I already knew that I wanted to do that. And, uh, um, you know, it was just uh, a matter of creating these scenarios where a serial killer would be put in a situation where they would be able to kill uh, like a, have a high body count, you know, uh, you know, trapped inside of like an ER and there's, there's a scene that takes place in, in an emergency room where um, all the doors and the building is locked down. And there's the serial killer is in the in the ER where all these people are basically, you know, um, victims themselves. Right. And, and they're in a very vulnerable position. You have somebody come in there to, to mass murder everybody. That would be a, a, a very convenient place to do it. People in hospital beds, people that are wounded, people that are they're trying to save lives. You know, they don't actually have weapons on them. So it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a, a great scenario to, to, to pull up a large body count. I don't know if that answered your question. I think it did. Yeah. So, like, my last question on this film is is kind of, like, um, what were some of the challenges, I guess, for you as a writer in, in doing that? Because, like, you know, you talk about wanting to do things creatively as far as, like, a visual effects artist. But, um, you know, what was it about as a writer that, you know, what were some of the challenges, I guess, you faced in creating these these gags to be fresh and not feel redundant well what happened was when we shot the film we shot we try to shoot everything practically but i was going to school at the time to learn cgi so i knew that i would supplement the kills with cgi but once i started to put a little bit of cgi i got my dog right here wants my attention so as soon as i started to put a little cgi on some of the kills and i saw that the possibilities were endless there was no limit we could do anything, and uh, and then it was very easy. It was very easy. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm gonna check it out. But uh, with our last few minutes that we have with Joe, we're gonna walk through his special effects studio. If he does not mind. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take you guys over here to another area of the shop. Uh, let's see. I'm gonna see if the lighting's all good over here. I'm gonna turn this around. Let's see. Yeah. Okay, I got I got a couple of things here I can show you guys. Um, All right. We got, uh, you know, if you ever need a just a quick uh, there's a leg, that's something 
fun. But I, I like to make everything out of silicone, so it has a real nice weight to it. We've got uh, a guy with no jaw. Man, that that's like. So, what is like a de- What is like the process for like detail for something like that? Well, this is an actual life cast was made of an actor, it made him all of his teeth, and, uh, and then it was, uh, you know, it, it was poured up in silicone. It has a polyurethane filler inside of it, and uh, there's a separate jaw that goes in here that's attached. And you know, it's a matter of like punching in hair, hair for the eyebrows. I always the details. It's all in the details. The eyelashes, getting uh, a lot of I take a lot of photographs of his skin so I can see the color of his skin when I'm airbrushing it. Here's a, a prime example of like using reference in, 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 in nature to do this. I uh, thought so, so when I went when I was making this alien head, I googled I googled like if like aliens are so smart and they can um you know, maybe alien life lives like four or five hundred years because of their technology. So I googled like like old people spaces when I saw when I went and made this. Oh wow. You can see that. Dang. There is so much detail on that. Uh, it's like I get, so, I get one blind eye. Yeah, I was just about to ask that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, let's see. Uh, what I got here? This is kind of crazy. This is a. Uh, this is like a mutant zombie head. So it's got it's got two skulls, but if you turn it like this. There's 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 the nose right there's another nose and another eye socket and you turn around there's the ear see it's kind of like coming out of the side of someone's head these skulls are coming out of someone's mouth actually if you can kind of see that I don't know if you can see that yeah, I can yeah, see yeah. it it's gorgeous yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see um so yeah uh, and then uh, you know I have uh, uh over here you know like people always like whenever I get hired on a movie set. You know, they hired me to do an effect, but then they're also like, can you, um, they're like, you know, do you have a, a heart? We, we're going to need a heart in this scene. We're going to need some guts. I'm like, yeah, I got, you know, I got, I got stomachs. I got, uh, you know, random organs in case you need a, I don't know what that could be. It could be anything. It's just disgusting. You know, I got tons of intestines. So uh, much intestines. <laughs> I got, uh kidneys livers oh this is this and this this is my like one of my hero hearts silicone heart uh recently i did a movie called the occultist and they needed three on-screen hearts so take your pick i just made these real real quick for for like a sacrificial scene in the film and uh yeah so body parts and creatures and monsters we got all that here uh and uh i i like to uh you know, like if 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 a, if a filmmaker can't, if, if the budget's low, what I'll do is I will say yes, I'll make it for you, but I I I have to keep the prop, you know. So I, I, I there's all kinds of different ways for me to work with a filmmaker. Some people say, yo, I, I think Joe's gonna be way too expensive. Like there's always a way for us to work it out. So um, sometimes I can just be like, if you if you have me coming for a day rate, and I'll I'll I'll, I'll make the creature. Uh, you bring me to set, but I get to keep the creature. I use it in another film. So. Uh, so that's why I have most of the stuff that that that, that I have that I've worked on when I work on low budget films to keep them. So, if you guys but, uh, are, anyways, uh, yeah. If you guys are listening to this right now, like, go watch this video on YouTube because Joe's workshop is just wall to wall, like, 
nothing but special effects. It's amazingly awesome. So if you want to warp someone's stomach open, there you go. This, this, this is my, my standard male torso for pulling out guts and, and ripping open, yeah. Now, how often you you talk about the 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 process, but how often do you find yourself kind of like repeating projects, I guess, or like not certain not projects, but like like parts? For, yes. Yeah. 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 Like cutting someone's throat. You can always find a new way to decapitate somebody. It makes it kind of special. Uh, but yeah, no, there are certain techniques that are all often asked for again and again and again. And I have my own way of like getting through the process a little bit quicker than doing slash throats. I have a, I have a real quick, neat and clean way of doing it. that works well on set. You know, a lot of independent films, even a lot of big films now, they don't want to take a whole bunch of time to apply an appliance for a neck cut scene because, you know, everybody's seen them so many times. It doesn't do anybody any good to see another beautifully sculpted appliance on someone's neck with blood gushing out of it. So you just want to make it effective and make it quick. And um, I think that's why I've lasted so long in the industry, because my, my, my work time keeps getting tighter and tighter and tighter. So I, like whenever I have like named talent, like a like a like a famous actor come over to the studio to have their face cast. I have it down to 12 minutes. I can make a live cast of someone's face in and out in 12 minutes. Um, so that the fastest one I ever did was um, was on Eileen Dietz. She actually plays uh, Pazuzu from the original Exorcist. And um, uh, I had her go over in my chair, and actually I got her in and out, out in 12 minutes. She was very, very, uh, uh, she was an amazing actress to work with. I'm so blessed to have had a chance to work with her. That's awesome. So, with, you know, you, you talk about working on The Barn too. what, uh, like, do you, do you solely work on like one project at a time, or are you kind of like keeping different projects juggling? I always have uh, I always have something else going on in the back in the background. I like to keep myself busy and keep my mind fresh. Uh, the um, you know as an artist, we are responsible for keeping our minds uh, 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 alert and creative. That's my dog right here reaching up. Give me a kiss. Um, <laughs> uh, we, we, we are we, we, as an, as artists, we are responsible for our creativity and we're responsible for exercising our creativity. So there is no um, there is no downtime. We must always keep our minds fresh, and we always must remain teachable. And um, you know, I, I, I try to take on as many projects as I can at once. I will, of course, at some point. I have another dog coming over here. I will at some point say, "I'm sorry, but you'll have to wait until after this last project's done." Um, and um, you know, I, I I don't think I ever take on more than four at once. At, at, at four, I'm pushing it, but I, you know, I'll, I'll give I'll give everybody a, a a deadline, and I'll say, hey, once I'm done with this one, we can start working on yours or whatever. But um, yeah, no, I, I like to I like to juggle I like to juggle a lot of plates at once. So, <laughs> so you work so you're working on the barn too right now. What else uh, are you allowed to talk about that you're currently working on? I just finished shooting a movie with my friend Thomas Churchill. I can't give you the, the title of it, but I will say this. I believe it's going to come out in February of 2020. And it's the largest creature I've ever made. How large is it? When he came to me, he said, remember that scene in Jaws when the shark was on the ship and he was biting the, the, the actor as he was sliding into his mouth? 
He goes, I want the monster's mouth to be that big. I want to be able to bite someone in half like that. Dang. And I was like, I was like, wow. Uh, I, you know, I, and, and uh, Thomas has given me a lot of opportunities to do some really cool, new, amazing things. There's that one, The Barn 2. I just released a movie that's out right now at every Walmart in America. It's my 18th feature film. It's called Xenophobia, and it has that alien it back there that I just showed you, and it has other aliens like this one right here. This is kind of a cool alien head. I don't know if you can see it. It's got all these oh eyes. Oh, my goodness. You know, different eyes. Oh, so creepy. It looks so yeah, awesome, yeah. though. Yeah, it's got that alien head in there. Uh, it's got seven full-scale, all-practical aliens in it. I wanted to do, like, a real, like, homage to, like, Star the Star Wars cantina scene where all, all the aliens are practical in the film. So I built uh, these seven full-scale aliens in, for, for the movie. And uh, there's some cool stuff in it. If you like uh, your sci-fi with a little bit of a thriller, horror edge, you, you will like it. And the title of the movie is Xenophobia. You know, kind of like Xenomorph, you know, like Alien. And, uh, you know, uh, it, 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 supposedly it's like the fear of for anything foreign or the fear of, you know, anything alien to us. So uh, the title refers to the fear of aliens. Yeah. Beautiful. I love it. All right. Well, I uh, I think that's actually going to do it for us. So uh, my last question that I got for you is going to be this. And, um, you know, with someone that's been in the industry as long as, as you have, do you what would you inc- tell any aspiring special effects artists that might be listening to this right now? Any advice? Okay, here we go. Um, I would uh, I, w- I would advise anybody that wants to be a special effects artist to always remain teachable, and um, no matter how professional you get or how big you get, there's always something new to learn. But most importantly, you know the only difference between people that make it and people that don't is the people that don't have given up. Because every time I move up to a new level of my career. I think that that's it, but there's still more. There's always more to go. I mean, you just, you just keep going. You just keep chasing that dream. You know, I made a promise to my father when I was 18, year old, 18 years old. I remember very clearly on, my, on our front porch, my dad looked at me and he said, promise me, son, that you will never stop chasing your dream. Others, and, uh, you, know, uh, you know, if anybody wants to uh, reach me, you can find me uh, at facebook.com forward slash uh, send me a friend request, but most importantly, um, send me a message and say hello, and let's make a movie together. And, of course, on Instagram, my handle is Joe underscore Castro underscore director. Uh, send me a message there, too. And, um, you know, um, there's a lot of, uh, of cinema out there. There's a lot of old cinema that people have forgotten about. And uh, I advise everybody to go back and watch some of the old classics. Uh, if you like slasher movies, I suggest everybody go and check out Blood Feast. The 1963 slasher movie, it's actually the first slasher movie ever made. So if you like slasher films, go watch that. And it was directed by uh, one of my, a good friend of mine that recently passed. He passed away about three years ago. His name is Herschel Gordon Lewis. Check it out. And uh, yeah, there you go. All right. Well, I'm going to spend that with just what he says, uh, beautiful words about, you know, never chase, never stop chasing. Um, that's that's the heartbeat of, of what we do here. So please, again, to echo what he just said, please hold on. Never stop chasing. 
hope is always within doable within your hands. So you guys can find us everywhere at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you guys get your podcasts. Just search Victims and Villains. You guys can find all of our uh, all of our episodes, all of our reviews, all of our contact information and mental health resources, as well as suicide prevention resources at victimsandvillains.net. And uh, make sure that you guys like, follow, and subscribe to us wherever you guys uh Get your socials and, and your podcast. And if you guys like what we stand for and want to help us get mental health resources into uh, schools and conventions, make sure, consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash victims and villains. But that's going to do it. So thank you so much, Joe, for taking time out to uh, walk you through this process, talk about your history. Uh, this was this was awesome. Thank you, Josh. I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me tonight. I hope you have a beautiful, amazing rest of your October and happy, happy Halloween, everybody. All right. Well, until next time, remember to keep talking nerd, talking hope, speaking nothing else, and never stop chasing your dreams.